Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Bonusode 1. What? What's this now? I know. What's uh, this now? What we're doing now? It's a bonusode. A bonusode. <laughs> As if we don't have enough to I be know. going on. Now I we're know. doing fucking bonusodes. It's a bonusode of strong language and violent scenes. Next thing, you know what we'll be doing? What's that? Videos. Videosodes? Videosodes. <laughs> Videosode, minisode, bonusode, episode. Christ almighty. Yeah, um, we decided to uh, just throw in an extra one. Yeah. This week. Because we can. Yeah. Because we're nice like that. Yeah. Um, mostly motivated by the fact that, obviously, uh, regular listeners to the show know that me and Andy both went to uh, Fright Fest in London last weekend. Yep, for varying durations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we both saw a decent amount of stuff that we wanted to talk about. And thought that rather than just kind of shoehorn it into the chat in the main episodes and the minisodes, we'd take a little bit of time to talk about some things we didn't like, some stuff I want to recommend. Uh-huh. Um, so first off, another great weekend, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It generally is. Great people. Generally great films. Yeah, definitely. There's always um, a tub in the bunch, though, isn't there? Like... Yeah, I think that's kind of part of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, like taking the gambles. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. So I was there for the entire weekend. Yeah, yeah, you were. Oh, you were there for a couple of days, saw a few things. I did see a few things, yeah. A lot of, the, a lot of my time was spent socialising, which yes. for me is a massive part of it. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I got a little bit more merciless about leaving students <laughs> uh, Yeah, you fucking year. did. Um, yeah, you hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I would say that uh, previously, in all five years combined of going to London, I'd only ever walked out of one. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name it. Uh, but yeah, fucking name it. No, I'm not going to name it. That's uh, that's unkind. But uh, it was Lemon Tree Passage. But um, okay. <laughs> but I think sometimes I think when you make those decisions, it's not because the film's especially poor. Sometimes it's just like you know you've got to look at the schedule. Yeah, sometimes some... it's, well, I mean, sometimes it's fucking one in the morning. There's also that. <laughs> um, uh, are you like, right, I'm done. Like, yeah. I'm fucking done with this. Like, I need to get out of here. But yeah. yeah. Um, but, and a, a lot of that kind of figured in with uh, some of my decisions to kind of leave a certain things early where right. I really wasn't into things. Uh, for the most part, though, I stuck it out, saw a lot of really good stuff. I've assembled the top 10 mm-hmm. for the week. Um, I know that you're probably not in a position to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm going to talk about things, certainly things that I saw. Yeah. Um, and certainly things that we saw together that tie up and a couple of things that maybe don't. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I would tell everybody at this point uh, to turn off their bloody phones, but most of you are probably listening on your phone, so please do keep them on. Yeah, no, that'd be helpful, actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so one, I think that we should probably mention, must mention it first, because we had Stuart Spark on the show. We did, For yes. episode 14, talking about Deep Rising. Mm-hmm. And of course, right around the time that Stuart came on, it was announced that Book of Monsters would be world premiering at Fright Fest. It did, yeah, which also turned out to be a little uh, a little slice of serendipity, given that uh, David Malcolm's Mannequins, a uh, short film that I produced, uh, was also announced to be opening for it. Yeah, which was a cool. Uh, it was a cool thing. It was yeah. kind of. It was good. That, it was kind of interesting that, that happened entirely unplanned. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. So first off, I mean, like, uh, I thought Mannequins was great. 
Well, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, I'm sure if, if Dave's not listening, I'll certainly pass that on, uh, that it's got the Bane seal of approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The much sought after Bane seal of approval. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, Book of Monsters, I thought also uh, a really good fun. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun with Book of Monsters, uh, and I think I'd said it in another episode, but I feel like Book of Monsters is a massive jump in quality for Stuart as a filmmaker. Really? Um, from the creature below. Okay. And yeah, I don't yeah. think Stuart would mind me saying that. Uh, I think he'd probably be quite happy to hear that. Like he the, stepped up. Yeah, that his game was stepped up so dramatically, and I, I really do think that. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was funny. I thought it was gory, and I thought it made good use of what was presumably a pretty slender budget. Yeah, I completely agree. That was really good fun. Also, at that screening, made the fairly massive announcement that it's being distributed by Dread Central Presents as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely mm-hmm. massive mm-hmm. take. And, uh, and for Stuart and the crew. Yeah, that the fuck. I mean, that's unbelievable. And a huge coup. Yeah, for Stuart, for Stuart and, and for Dark Stuart Rift and the guys and Dark Rift films in general. I had a, I had a great time. I, I mean, I don't know how much of that was. I think it's important to say at this point, I got the bus to London. I got the night bus for on the Friday night. You did indeed. Yeah, I arrived in London on the Saturday morning at half past seven. Yep. Came to you for a quick shower. And a cuddle, <laughs> <laughs> and then we headed back out, pretty much straight to the screening. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know how much of it was a delirium, but I certainly remember it being great fun. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, no, it really was. It really was. That was um, that was a great one, and I uh, agree with Start Saturday as well. Oh, I would agree. Festival yeah, as well, yeah. 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 Um, and uh, really nice to see uh, our old pal Nicholas Vincent there. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, Nick's been in some of my stuff, and uh, yeah, I've become quite friendly with him, so it was cool to see to see him in there. Um, but yeah, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, Become Monster is essentially the story of a young girl turning 18. Yep, uh, I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, she uh, has a birthday party in her house. You need to separate this from a death party, Mitch's film. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they basically um, a group of monsters are inadvertently summoned to the party and wreak uh, unholy hell upon it. Um, they certainly do. Yeah, so that yeah, that's kind of a, a potted synopsis of uh, Book of Monsters death party. and Death Party. <laughs> You'll be able to see Book of Monsters uh, for yourself because getting a. Uh, I think theatrical and home released through Dread Central will be the side at the time. Uh, it certainly said that they've got they've, they've acquired it um, globally. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what, whether that extends to a cinematic release, but uh, certainly um, for all home entertainment platforms, they've acquired it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that's that's on the recommendation list for me too. Book of Monsters. So um, before we dig into my ten, I think we should break this up a little bit. We'll break up my ten with general comments and things. Okay. Let's talk about one that maybe you saw that maybe you didn't take to quite as much. <laughs> Actually, I feel like out of the films I saw, I was quite lucky. Okay. Um, because they were they were all generally quite good, except and I and I really wanted to like this one, the Field Guide to Evil. Okay. Um. Now I know you had some uh, limited exposure to the Field Guide to Evil. I yeah, this was a casualty. A I casualty got, of your your newfound brutality. Uh yeah, I got to a certain point in it when I realised that there was no coming back from it, for it, should I say. And, um, yeah, I left um, after, I believe, the fourth segment in the anthology. I think I was I was ready to call time. Melon heads. Yeah, beware the melon heads. That was the one. <laughs> that kind of... That was... I, and, like, uh, uh, that was the one that sunk the ship for me. I would say, up to that point, um, I'd found... So, 
The Feel Good Evil is basically it's an anthology based on folklore. Yeah, well, weirdly, it's produced by Ant Timpson. Yeah, who uh, produced stuff like Deathgasm and obviously the the ABCs of Death films. Yeah, uh, I love Deathgasm by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Again, we we'll go for this kind of the shit sandwich here. There. <laughs> yeah, no, Deathgasm is uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, but uh, yeah, it, it said they would never do another ABCs of Death film, but they've gone ahead and done this other anthology film. Mm-hmm. And if I'm perfectly honest, I would have much rather have seen another ABCs of Death. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree, to be honest. Actually, you know, one thing about this that kind of nipped at me, and it's one of those kind of very minor things, but once I saw it, I was like... Whoa. What was that? There's a typo in the opening crawl. Ah, Christ. There you go, right away. And... Do you know, I've got a mate, right, who, if he, like... you used to be really bad for this. I don't know how bad he is for it now. Probably still the same. Um, but, like, uh, if you, you got, like, a takeaway menu and you were, like, ordering in food, uh, he would scroll through, and if you saw a typo on it, he would want to go somewhere else. Oh, I would never hold... I would never hold things like that to that standard of accountability, I don't think. Well, this is the kind of person we're dealing with here. Right. That would be him. That would be <laughs> it for him. But, uh, yeah, that, that, for some reason that did kind of work me. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, it had other more serious problems later. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's true. But, I mean, a pretty strong filmmaking pedigree in there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. The guys who did Goodnight Mommy are in there. Yeah, which is a great film. Yep. Sean Evernall. Yeah, did, uh, who did uh, who did Baskin. And the strongest yeah. the strongest segments of the uh, of the one that I saw, I thought uh, was Sean Evernall's one. Yeah. Um, and you've got Peter Strickland in there as well, who did Barbarian Sound Studio and the Duke of Burgundy. Yeah, yeah. So on the surface, it seems like it should be pretty good. Okay, so what? Like, so I'm gonna, but um, because I didn't see the whole thing, I'm gonna let you take the lead on this one. What about it didn't work for you? Uh, most of it. Okay. I feel that it was as disjointed as the ABCs of Death. Uh-huh. And I know that's a criticism that was levied at the ABCs of Death is that perhaps it lacked a bit of guidance from the producers. Right, okay. But I certainly feel that that's something that's followed through into this and it's significantly less in terms of the amount that would require a little bit of manipulation from the producer uh-huh. just to make it flow a bit better. Some of the pieces I don't think work at all. It kind of started weirdly for me. It kind of opens in the shot of a, a girl sucking a goat's teat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is very phallic, actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And right away I was like, okay, this is weird. And then it gets weirder. And then it gets boring. And that's the crucial thing, isn't yeah. it? I think, and that, I think I started to find it really dry in a way that I kind of struggled to engage And with. I don't have a problem with stuff trying to be arty and art housey, not at all, but it came across as a little bit pretentious to me. I would say that's also probably that's probably an issue I had with, his, with it as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm uh, going to turn the tide a little bit to something a little bit more positive. So uh, will I start, will maybe start putting a dent in the 10 I put together? Can I just quickly say as well, I desperately wanted to walk out. I, okay. was, I was also front row in the fucking super screen, so I was looking at like a bit of that screen that's about A4 size. My eyes were darting all over the place like a fucking <laughs> maniac. Uh, that was actually a problem I had. Um, I was in the front row for a screening of something, and I'm not going to name it because I don't want to give off the vibe of not liking it, um, but it was a world cinema title, so it was subtitled, and I was sitting just way too close to the screen. It was not, wasn't anything I could have done anything about. I was late out of a screening, so I didn't want to like run to sure. my proper seat and disrupt people, so I just grabbed the seat in the front row. But when it's subtitled and the screen is that big, well, that was a problem that um, the Field Gate Evil had. Uh, yeah, I just, I just, I kind of got to a point where I was like, I will one hundred percent catch up with the film in question because mm-hmm. I thought it looked pretty good, but at the same time, I was like, my head hurts. I need to go uh, somewhere else. But um, well, uh, yeah, that 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 didn't help me in terms of enjoying the film. I guess not, I don't no. think. But I don't think if I was to watch it again with fresh eyes and eyes that weren't being punished by an enormous cinema screen, I don't think I would enjoy it anymore. Yeah, any more out of it. No. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, um, I'm going to go with the first couple at least from uh, the top ten that I've put together. Okay. Because I don't think you've seen many of them, but I think that a couple of them I think you can weigh in on. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, number ten, I've got Lee Winnell's Upgrade. Yeah. Uh, which I really enjoyed. Uh, for anyone that's unfamiliar, is about a guy who is mugged fairly brutally and his wife is killed in the struggle kind of thing. Uh, he's left paralyzed and basically is given this kind of experimental treatment in a little bit of a kind of like almost like the guest kind of fashion. He almost becomes this kind of super soldier. Yeah. Um, and it, once he's kind of in this functioning body that can kind bit of. Better Robocop, better $6 yeah, million dollar man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's, it's a technology. But a Cronenberg. Absolutely. And um, yeah, it can kind of take over on command. Right. To kind of give him kind of very good combat acumen and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> Are you laughing because I said combat acumen? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think, yeah, it's it's really entertaining. It's a revenge story that it's pretty easy to invest in. Uh, it looks really good. I think that in terms of actual craft, from a direction perspective, it's a step up for Lee Winnell. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, th- I think it's a step up for him as a director. Well, uh, he's only done one other thing as a director. Yeah. Um, uh, Insidious 3? Insidious 3, that's right. Yeah, which I mean, which I think is fine. But I think that this is kind of a sign of him kind of finding a voice. In yeah. that way. Well, that's cool. Um, yeah, it is, and um, yeah, I'd recommend. It. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't think that I was like quite as mad about it as some people were, but I did. I did really like it. I would recommend it. Well, it's out now. It's in cinemas now. It's in cinemas now. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's in... got a presumably quite a limited release. It's but it's certainly it's certainly in Cineworld cinemas. Yeah, it's gettable now in the UK. Uh, if yeah. you wanted to get out and check that, you can do. Also, one that is coming out in UK cinemas, I believe, later this month. Uh, my number nine, Gaspar Noé's Climax. Ah, no, this was my number one. Yes, this this was a bit of an opinion splitter. <laughs> I think that's going to happen whenever you you have a Gaspar Noé film. <clears throat> that is very um, true. Yeah, yeah. The people who love it are going to love it. The people who hate it, they are going to fucking hate it. That is very um, true. And I know at least one person uh, who were quite friendly with walked out within the first five minutes. But uh, I thought it was. I know I touched on this in the minisode because I went back and rewatched everything. But uh, yeah. I fucking loved it. Uh, just for, again, for anyone that's unfamiliar, very quickly, Climax is basically about a dance troupe who okay, are yeah. kind of having a, kind of what feels like a half rehearsal, half party kind of celebration <laughs> type thing. Because yeah. uh, it starts off with a very elaborate and kind of protracted dance number, which is very cool. Um, so yeah, they're having this party. It's kind of getting a little bit out of control, but the first half of it is very kind of euphoric, I think. Yeah, and yeah, you, and you get kind of introduced to all the all the characters and their kind of personalities. There's a yeah. lot of kind of talking heads, a lot of bumping back and forward between people, and then it takes a very very dark turn, almost mm-hmm. exactly at the halfway point, yeah. um, where like, the tone kind of turns on a dime, and basically the sangria that bowl that they've been drinking for, drinking from it comes to light that's been spiked with a large amount of LSD. So what you get then is this kind of half who spiked the bunch mystery thing, half descent into this absolute like nightmarish like hellscape. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool though because there's bits in there that that really reminiscent of Possession. Yes, I completely agree. I know exactly yeah. the bit you're talking about. Yeah, um, and actually the film kind of opens with these talking heads kind of flanked by books and VHS tapes. And one of the VHS tapes has possession, so that's I right. think uh, I think that that's been pulled into there pretty strongly. But I, I thought it was fucking brilliant. It's one of those experiences. It's just sensory overload, and I loved it. Yeah, I, really I loved it. I mean, I I came out of it. I was a little bit shell shocked by it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I came out of it, I was a little bit like, "What did I think of that?" Mm-hmm. And when I went out and started talking to people a little bit more, and I think that one thing that kind of occurred to me was some of the reasons people were given for not liking it were kind of the reasons why I liked it. Yeah. 
and the more I thought about it, the more I thought that it was kind of a, like a real kind of achievement. I thought it's a really, really interesting film. Well, I would say it's his most commercial film. Which says a lot as well. Um, it's still moments where it's brutal. Yeah, and I think also, I think that I could understand if people find it a little bit impenetrable mm-hmm. still as well. But he doesn't give a fuck what you think. He no. really doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks. It was pretty cool that he was there uh, to host the screening as well. It's pretty yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is out later this month, I believe. Yeah, through Arrow. Arrow picked it up, so it's Arrow that are putting it out and they'll be distributing it as well. Oh, that's cool. That's it. It's out theatrically, right? Yeah, it's getting a theatrical release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, w- I would recommend it personally. Oh, well, I like it. I wouldn't readily recommend it to everyone I know. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was a date film. No, whatever else it is, it's not a date film. But No, but I did think it was really, really good. Uh, the more I thought about it, the more that I kind of took to it. On kind of uh, kind of dance and music related, on the very much on the backswing of that pendulum, number eight for me, uh, John McPhail's Anna and the Apocalypse. Ah, uh, yep, Hometown Boy. Yes, Hometown yeah. Hometown Boy comes good. Um, <laughs> so Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, I don't want to say too much about it. It's a Scottish zombie musical. Yep. And music written by Roddy Hart and Tommy Riley, I mm-hmm. believe. The songs in this are really good. I think it looks good. Uh, a lot of really good performances in there. Ella Hunt won the uh, Rising won, Star. Yeah, the Rising Star Award. Or, yeah. uh, deservedly so. She's really good in this. A lot of really good character stuff in there. I like to say, some really good songs. It's out, I believe, in November. Yeah. And it got, uh, that's coming out via the newly relaunched Orion label. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Didn't know that. that. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. That's actually awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, but yeah, and in the apocalypse, it's it's great fun. A huge achievement for John. Also strategically positioned before the karaoke, which was a good idea. <laughs> Set everybody out with a song in their heart. Number seven, again, totally different for me. Um, Nicholas Pesky's Piercing. Ah, yeah. He of uh, Eyes of My Mother. Eyes of My Mother and, as of 2019, the reboot of The Grudge. Oh, really? Yes. Um so this is very very different from uh, the eyes of my mother it's a kind of surreal kind of mystery thriller starring mia wazikowska mm-hmm. i really like this a lot i found it to be possibly i don't want to say light because it's a very very unusual film <laughs> but it's not as unremittingly bleak as the eyes of my mother's mother was obviously uh the eyes of my mother was shot in black and white this is a very, very lively film from a color perspective. The score has got snippets of old Jello soundtracks in it, which I think actually, like, I think that word of mouth kind of got misinterpreted. There was a little bit of Chinese whispers going on. Because I was talking to people about going to see this, and they were like, oh, is that the Jello? Right, yeah. I was like, uh-huh. no. Yeah, it just um, has goblin stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was it was awesome. I thought it was great. Like, um, It's based on a book. I believe, which I have not read. So You've surprised me again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, really enjoyable. Uh, number six for me, uh, this was an opening night film, Summer of 84. Right, okay. From uh, the team that brought us, Turbo Kid. Uh, Francois Simard, Anouk Wiesel, and uh, Johan Carl Wiesel. Yep. Uh, all three of them co-directing this one. Uh, Summer of 84 plays out like a kind of there is, it's this kind of 80s kids on bike thing that I think I'm in danger of getting sick of. Right, very uh, much so at this point in time but uh, not yet because this is great I would say this plays out as equal parts Stand By Me and Rear Window okay mm-hmm. um, basically all these uh, these kids kind of think that there's a kind of policeman in town and they think that all's not as it seems and it's pretty much just about that and I'm investigating that I thought this was great really good fun really well programmed in the opening night slot like because li- like The Ranger was the opening film which I also sure. which I also liked but The Ranger's pretty heavy going uh, so Summer of 84 like bang in the middle there is a kind of a palate cleanser. Almost like a palate cleanser, yeah. Um, although it's probably doing a little bit of a disservice. Also, the uh, Lematos score is available everywhere now, and it's worth your time as well. But no, Summer 84 was great. End of the top five, then. 
And uh, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> this was one that I'd been looking forward to for a while. Th- saw some footage. I think it was la- it was either at Fright Fest last year or Celluloid Screams last year. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Uh, uh, and I believe it was Celluloid Screams. Yeah. Um, Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. Yeah. The uh, claymation film from uh, Mike Mort. Uh, the natural follow-on from the short Chuck Steele, Raging Balls of Steel Justice. <laughs> um, Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires is like doesn't give a fuck who it offends. Uh, it is also for that very very funny um, I, I'm i going to have to watch it three or four times to catch everything I think because I felt like I was missing stuff from laughing I was missing, vis- I was missing visual things uh, left right and centre but it was precisely as funny as I hoped it would be mm-hmm. I kind of went in with carefully managed expectations of those things you know when you see something that's really entertaining in short form that gets adapted Yeah, I'm always a little bit sketch on how sustainable those things are um, I'm never put off by that on the surface but it's something that I'm always a little bit you're aware of it. Yeah. Yeah, and that wasn't a problem at all for me. I thought it was I thought this was great. I'm not sure what the release story is with it, but get on it when it appears for sure. So that was Chuck Steele Night of the Trampires. Number four. Now, uh this is the second feature, I believe, from uh, Orson Oblovitz. Oh yeah. The other, I believe, is also not out yet. I think it's due in the festival circuit too. I could be wrong there. But Hell is Where the Home Is, which is um home invasion film, starring, amongst others, Feruza Balk. Okay. So this is an interesting one. Basically, it's two couples. I don't want to say cabin in the woods, but you know what I mean. A mysterious stranger shows up. That's apparently a neighbor. There's some unpleasantness. There's an incident, and then you've got this kind of like very tense chamber piece when they figure out what they're going to do with this. At this point, I'd forgotten that Hell Is Where the Home Is is a home invasion film. Right. And it's it's a film that for me was functioning perfectly well as an extremely watchable and really tight thriller. Bef- and then kind of goes to 11 when it throws that extra element on there so this is it's pretty heavy going but it's really well made really well acted scores brilliant but just as a really well drilled exercise intention that kind of subverts expectations in a lot of ways i wasn't really prepared for uh, i was pleasantly surprised by this it was a world premiere so um i knew very little going in and cool. uh, yeah it was great really really good uh now i'm in the top three right yeah. cool and uh one uh featuring a former guest. See, our old pal Graham Skipper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, of I know that seven. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice to finally meet him, by the way, <laughs> also. In there, alongside Suzanne Voss, who is superb in this film. Also, uh, Najara Townsend of The Stylist, doing really good work mm-hmm. as well. Alongside director, writer, and star, Mr. Matt Mercer. Yeah, the nicest fucking man in the world, by the way. What a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Matt Mercer's Dementia Part 2. Yeah. Uh, so this wa- this went from idea to finished article in five weeks. Jesus. I think it was it was, it was as part of a challenge, mm-hmm. um, I believe. He spoke a little about that. I mean, I think this is a great film anyway. When you consider that, it's really pretty remarkable. So Matt Mercer basically plays a handyman mm-hmm. who turns up at this older woman's house um, and she's afflicted with dementia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It kind of spirals from there. It gets, it goes to some pretty dark places. It's also very funny. It kind of somehow in the middle of all this makes room to handle its dementia elements, I would say, in a way that doesn't feel exploitative. Important. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Everyone looks like they had a lot of fun with this. Word of mouth hit of the festival without a doubt ah, was yeah. my number two, One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead, Japanese zombie movie, <laughs> uh, wound up going from one screening to sold out yep. to three sold out screenings. 
Yeah, um, pretty unbelievable. Really. Unreal. Um, Absolutely unreal. So I was in chronologically the first one of the right. weekend, the second one that was added. No, the, the second one to be added. Yeah, second one to be added, but actually the first one that was seen. Yes. This is a tricky one to talk about because I don't want to give too much away. But basically, the first 37 minutes of it are a single take. Mm-hmm. And it is obviously the making of a zombie film. It's really enjoyable. It's very funny, considering that that's all you're watching. It does some really funny recurring jokes and things like that. The comic timing of it is very, very good. And then it gets smarter and steps outside itself in a way that I did not see coming. And I would say that there's like maybe about a 10, 15 minute stretch in the middle that you kind of have to fight with a little Mm -hmm. bit. And the second half of it, or the kind of maybe say the last half hour or so, is one of the funniest things that I've seen in the cinema in a really long time. Also, just like a great in-cinema experience as well. Right. Like, everyone had a great time. Absolute uproar at all the right moments. Um, yeah, this is 100% or not in tomatoes at the moment, I believe, as well. That's um, superb. Uh, yeah, this, this is... Uh, so, it's uh, Shinichiro Ueda's film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for... I'm not sure what the story is with uh, people getting an opportunity to see Well, I can tell this. you that it just got announced that it's playing at uh, Abattoir in Aberystwyth in the oh, UK. Cool. So uh, if you want to catch it, you can maybe catch it there. Cool. If you are not one to head out to the festivals and things, I would say that the way that this is getting received so far, there's absolutely no way that this won't be accessible eventually. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to get because it's so definitely... I think it'll get some kind of release for sure. Yeah, it's on the ascent for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, now, just before you get into your, your number one... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, just want to talk about a couple of things. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to make a mention of Matt Holmes's Possum. Matt Another Hol- one that I heard kind of uh, varying things about, but yeah, sounded pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt Holness is probably best known to most people out here as Garth Marenghi from yep. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. But this, uh, as you are fully aware, was a film that I was massively anticipating. In fact, it was the very first ticket that I bought uh-huh. um, for the whole festival. So, uh, yeah, I was totally sold on this going into it just based on what I'd heard and the very limited stuff that I'd seen. Yeah, including um, that amazing poster. Yeah, amazing, amazing poster. Basically, it's the story. Uh, Sean Harris, who was in Prometheus, he plays a troubled young guy. It's very similar to uh, Spider, David Cronenberg's film. Oh, um, I really like Spider. There's a lot of similarities to Spider. But he's a really troubled guy. He has this fucking demented, creepy puppet. Um, that he's desperately trying to get rid of. Um, okay. And as the film unfolds, we kind of get to know a little bit more about him and a bit about more about his past. And it gets darker and darker and darker and more horrific as it goes on and on. And I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Okay. Perhaps a little, a little slower than it should have been. I think there was maybe just a tiny bit that could have been trimmed. Right. Right. But that's me nitpicking. Okay. Um, on the whole, really, really liked it. Cool. Um, and that puppet, I want that puppet. So it's <laughs> fucking honestly, genuinely terrifying. I don't know who would ever make a puppet like that, and but presumably with the intention of uh, entertaining people, um, because it is not an entertaining puppet in any way, shape, or form. But a, a great film. Okay. I would imagine it will get a release as well. Keep your eyes peeled for it, possum. And another film I want to touch on is one that we went to see together. Yeah. <laughs> Rocksteady Row. Rocksteady Row, yeah. Yeah, thoroughly charming. Yeah. Uh, great fun. Yeah, very outwardly likable, I thought. Yeah. Yep. Bit of Turbo Kid in there, bit of Hobo with a shotgun. Yeah, I would um, say that's all fair. It's set on, set on a campus where like, bikes are like, <laughs> currency, currency, basically. Yeah, bikes are traded as currency. They're bought and sold and stolen. And uh, there's kind of two opposing fraternities. Yep. And one guy kind of caught in the middle of them. Um, yeah. Uh, it's really, really fucking great fun. 
Yeah, um, I agree. And I don't know what the deal is with that either, but check it out when it comes out, particularly if you like Turbo Kid or Hobo with a Shotgun, because there's bits of all of that in there. Yeah, if you like both of them, your boxes are going to be well and truly ticked, for yeah. sure. I really like this as well. Um, I thought possibly a little bit of a third act sag going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that like the ending seemed to take them to a lot of locations. <laughs> But it does enough good stuff to keep you oh, absolutely to yeah, keep yeah. you involved and keep you entertained because it is thoroughly entertaining. I, I would yeah. say actually as well, for as much as I'm kind of saying that there's a that, that I had a pacing problem with the third act, the last like ten minutes or so are an absolute riot. <laughs> That's true. Um. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a, probably a pretty kind of trite criticism because it's a really good fun film. Also, it was another one that um I actually I didn't get a ticket for the first screening of it. Mm-hmm and people kind of started going crazy for it. I didn't get a ticket for it when they first went on sale right. uh, for weekend pass holders. Like. Then somebody, somebody or a load of people I know actually went to the earlier screening of it in the weekend. And I think it was when I'd come out of One Cut of the Dead. So I wasn't... So obviously I was buzzing off that. Mm-hmm. But everyone kind of said it was like, oh, Rocksteady Rose, incredible. So I went and queued in the morning and got a ticket for it. And uh, yeah, I really like this yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that I saw it. And yeah, I'd be interested to know um, what's going to end up, what's what the future holds for that one. So, anything else you want to touch on, or not particularly? Let's get your number one out of the way. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm probably I'm, I'm probably going to take some pelters for this because it's not a horror film. No, I don't think you're going to take pelters for it because from what I gathered, there's a lot, a lot of love out there for it. Yeah, people are really enjoying this one, and I'm really happy about that. So. As regular listeners of the show will know... Long-time listeners, certainly. Well, certainly, yeah. Yeah, we're going all the way back to episode three, I suppose. But yeah, I am a confirmed fan of the work of Joseph Kahn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, uh, he made Detention. Uh, he also has made a whole load of... Music videos. Yeah, his music video CV is about as high-profile as it gets, really. Everyone's on there. And I think that, But I think that the kind of style and feel of those things inform his filmmaking quite a bit. So he came to Fright Fest with... Uh, like I say, a film that is resolutely not a horror film. I actually had a chance to speak to him beforehand, and um, he through your tears, yeah, through yeah, your fanboy tears, yeah, um, through me and my friend other Mitch, um, <laughs> yeah, we were both pretty excited about that. But no, uh, he was saying that he was a little bit concerned. A fanboy of Mitch's, yeah, that's the collective noun. A fawn of Mitch's. A fawn of Mitch's. I love it. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah, me and Mitch had a, a like a nice brief chat with Joseph Kahn before the screen, but he was actually. Um, identifiably kind of a little bit apprehensive about how it was going to play at a genre festival, which I think is totally legitimate. Because, yeah, Bodied is... um, It's a battle rap film. Right. It's Mm -hmm. a comedy drama. uh, I would characterise it as a comedy drama with... And its central vehicle for that is uh, battle rap. Yeah, produced by Eminem. Produced by Eminem, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's... I think that it's an exceptionally funny film. It's very, very smart. The kind of... The battle raps you see in there are very very well put together the actual standard of wordplay in it is really really high it says it has a lot to say about the kind of climate of hyper offendedness if you like that we kind of that we live in right now and the various junctures where that is and isn't appropriate mm-hmm. and things like that and i mean the so some of the raps and stuff in there some like homophobic transphobic uh, misogynistic and i think that it starts off kind of being about you being able to get away with whatever you want in yeah. these kind of arenas. And then it kind of somehow over the course of it, it's, it's two hours, but it goes, it flies in, but it basically, it, it kind of reframes the narrative to make you think about what you find funny <laughs> and things like that. Or at least that's what I find myself doing with it. But it's um like, I said, it's just absolutely boundlessly entertaining. The performances are brilliant. The look and feel of it is great. I laughed a lot, but some of it genuinely is quite shocking right. as well. And yeah, I kind of came away, I really enjoyed it, but I had quite a bit to think about as well. 
And uh, I mean, as you know, I love deten- detention. I would say that I'll need to see. And more. I didn't. Yeah, and, and don't. I'd, I'd be very curious to know what you think about it, actually, because I would say that without saying that I prefer it to detention, I would probably concede that it's a better film. Right. Uh, I would need to see it more to decide where it sits on the scale. Uh, I will watch it, but I'll watch. I mean, so many people have said so many good things about it. I'll watch it, but I will go into it with some trepidation. You will have a chance to as well because it is being released as a YouTube original. So is this on YouTube Red? I believe so. Yeah. Right, I'm, okay. Uh, so that screening was actually the only time it's going to be screened theatrically in Europe. Fucking hell! Right. I know. Okay. Um, but yeah, Bodied uh, by Joseph Kahn. That's my number one, and it's not only my favorite film in the festival; it's my favorite film of the year so far. Wow. Um, yeah, I was I was totally blown away by it. Loved it. Well, there we go. And I guess that's just about it. Yeah, um, just want to say again, huge thanks to Greg Day and Ian Rattray and Paul McAvoy and Alan Jones for putting the festival on. Yeah, um, strength with, to strength. Without them, there's no festival. Um, yeah. And they're coming into their 20th year next year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So uh, we'll both definitely be there for that. And oh, yeah. we will both be at Glasgow Fright Fest in February, provided... The weather isn't a cunt again. Well, I mean, I think even if the weather is a disaster, I think that if it's happening, it would still take a lot for us to not be there. <laughs> we don't really have a massive excuse for not going. Yeah. No. Unless it, the whole thing's cancelled, then yeah. people like us who live in Glasgow can't really I remember it go. because of the stories of people trying to get to um, Fredfest Glasgow when the weather was so bad. You know, there was people like hitching, there was like too many people in cars. There people was doubling like, back and getting yeah, people and all sorts. fucking madness. But I remember that around the time, just in the run-up to uh, the London Festival, they had this kind of like, oh, uh, share your stories of your travel um, for getting there. And I was like, you don't want to hear mine. <laughs> you walked. I was like, I got up, I walked the 10 minutes to the train station, I took the train to town, and then I made the additional 10-minute walk to the cinema, and then I saw some films. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I decided to leave that one on the cutting room floor because I thought that's what they would do. I just stayed in. Oh yeah, I you don't, didn't come out, did I you? don't do well in the weather. Like if it's too cold, I'm not going out. If it's too warm, I'm not going out. It's got to be there's like a kind of like I'd say spot. a five degree sweet spot. Like, if it's out <laughs> with that, I'm doing nothing. Like fucking forget it. So yeah, that was fright. That was just a wee bit about this year's fright fest. Yeah, and um, I can't like obviously I'm aware that like we have listeners out there who maybe aren't particularly engaged with the festivals and things mm-hmm. like that. So I um, probably won't dwell, drill too much into feedback about some of this. But if you want to get in touch with this, I'd definitely be up for having a conversation with people about sure, it. Sure, no, definitely, like absolutely. That. Might um, not read them out, but I'd love to have some conversations with other people, talk about what they saw, what they enjoyed, what they didn't enjoy. If you want to do that, you can do it through all the usual channels, Facebook and Instagram at Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC, and you can email us at Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and you can get both of us um, separate from each other if you wish to do that yeah you can also tweet us at andy makes stuff and uh if you want to talk to andy and be like who the fuck does this guy think he is talking about films that he left halfway through that'd be legitimate if you don't want to say it to my face no if you want to say it to my face then yeah. it's uh watch for mitch yeah absolutely yeah yeah um and of course if you want to listen to us you can get us on stitcher itunes spotify google podcasts and podbean and if you do listen on itunes please 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 subscribe and rate and review and i guess that's it for uh this bonus ode bonus ode could, yep. you can see us doing some more of these in the future yeah i can see us doing some more of these in the future too uh yeah but uh but i hope you uh part of the intrusion 
When you're weak. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I know you, you don't have the hours of the day to listen to us now, but uh, there you go. Just a, something a little bit extra for you because we love you and we wanted to say thanks for listening to this point. Yeah. So here's a little bonus for you, and uh, we'll see you on Friday for episode 19, Life Force with Jules Boyle. And in the meantime, don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 